Live from the Hollywood Improv, it's the Nighttime Show! With us as always, our head writer, Matt Walker, and the voice of the Nighttime Show, Mike Black, our very special guest today, star of the Drew Carey Show, he played Colin in Colin and Brad, and he's been in over 405 episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Colin Mockery! And now, a man who yes-ands pretty much everything, put your hands together at home for Stephen Kramer Glickman! Yes, and! Wow! <laughs> Colin, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Thank you. You you just picked up my energy by 100%. <laughs> great. <laughs> Mike Black's got great energy. He is uh, the best announcer in the biz. Uh, the secret is pharmaceutical-grade cocaine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, mm-hmm. 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 America's choice. <laughs> uh, what's the cocaine like in Canada? Is it, uh, <laughs> that's where I was. Um, it's uh, 35% stronger. Wow. <laughs> And much more polite. Yes. Much more polite. Yes. And provided by the government yes. for free. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the best system in the world. Um, uh, I, I know we talked about this a little uh, off air, but uh, is that where you are now? Are you in Canada right now? I am. I'm in uh, Toronto right now, um, you know, keeping uh, distant from everyone. Smart. Uh, Going is, very well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got. I, I got to believe that um, you know, as a as a performer and and someone who uh, you know works with a lot of other people, a lot of uh, funny people. This is a kind of a tricky, got to be a little bit of a tricky time for you. Has it been? What's it been like for you? Well, you've seen the people I work with. So it's fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, it, yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, right before everything kind of went um, horribly wrong, um, I was like really busy. I was doing two different tours, and I was shooting a movie. So when the pandemic happened, it was sort of like, oh, this is a nice rest, and I've got to spend time with my family. And I'm not really a people person anyway so it really worked out beautifully for me i did the same thing i was very excited about it at first now i'm starting to actually miss people a little bit after five months a tiny bit yeah 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 um the best thing about it has been a lot of um in my family a lot of birthdays and holidays have fallen within this time so it's meant I haven't had to cook for them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I try not to take pleasure in a pandemic, of course, especially since I'm in the vulnerable group. But, you know, uh, there have been some positives to it. Now, what was your go-to thing that you would cook for something like that? Oh, everybody has food issues. So (laughs) my my wife is gluten-free. My daughter is pescatarian. We have a couple of vegans in the group. So it's... I try to find a base, and that's where the cocaine really comes yeah. in. <laughs> that sounds like chips and salsa to me. If yeah. it's pescatarian and gluten-free yeah. or whatever, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's all you got wow. left. Yeah. Exactly, with a little layer of meat for the <laughs> carnivores. A few shots of salad dressing. Fish tacos <laughs> every now and then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. So, like, as a, uh, as a professional uh, improviser, have, do, do you ever – have you ever uh, – gone to watch people that are just starting out or have you ever spoken to you know spoken with uh young people that are that have that have just started into improvisation and and like watched them perform is do you ever do you ever have to go do stuff like that yeah um um i i've often worked with uh young people i'm basically there to destroy their dreams because (laughs) um you know, they always say, hey, how do you get a show like Who's on? How do you get famous becoming an improviser? And I, you know, I say, well, um, it's just pure luck. I mean, <laughs> the fact that this show came along, I had nothing to do with it. It just, I, I was just there at the right place at the right time. And uh, I thank God for it. But I can't promise it's going to happen again. So I always say, just do it. If you love doing it, do it. Just to give people an idea of something, so, you know, just just for the people that are that are listening, if they don't if they don't know this, whose line is it anyway? Premiered in 1988, it was a, 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 a as a it was a British television show and ran from 1988 to 1998, and you joined into that cast uh, right around 1991, and th- that was like. It was like 
a huge, a huge, you know, it was like a massive hit. And it was like the first time on television we'd really had a show like that, like a theater sports kind of show. Yeah, the producers, uh, I just find it ironic that it took these two British guys to come up with a format. Because I, I know people, when I was in theater sports in Vancouver, we were always trying to come up with a way to do it on television. And we just couldn't make it work. But somehow these guys did. And uh, we had we had the 30th anniversary of the British Who's Line uh, a couple of years ago. And we did four shows at Royal Albert Hall. Wow. Which seemed uh, so wrong in so many ways. <laughs> I mean... It was incredibly cool, but I thought, how is this possible where we're sitting in front of thousands of people trying to hear the suggestions and making up crap? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, how did the show make the jump from the U.K. to the U.S.? Because I think that's when it sort of took off even more in that, uh, like, the British version, I think, was on on cable here in the U.S., but then Drew Carey comes along yeah. and is like, let's do this on ABC because he had the clout at the time with his show. Like, was... He's somebody that uh, was involved in some way earlier on with that show because, like, he wasn't an. Im- I mean, we know Drew from doing stand up, of course, but he wasn't really yeah. in the improv scene. So, how did that whole thing come together? The uh, British guys had always wanted to do an American version because they felt they could get rich. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the the British um, version, as you mentioned, was big on cable. It was really big amongst uh, college students and uh, young people, so they mm-hmm. felt that they had an audience. So they, I can't remember the first um, studio they went to, but they, they, the studio heads wanted um, a VJ to host it, mm-hmm. and they wanted young, good-looking improvisers, which, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have anything oh, to yeah, draw yeah, from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, um, the producer, Dan Patterson, said, you know what, it, it works best with the ugly guys. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at that point, uh, Ryan uh, Stiles, mm-hmm. who was a regular of the show, was also on the Drew Carey show. And Drew was a big fan of the British who line. And Ryan mentioned, you know, they're trying to find a way to do it on American television. Why don't you meet them? So we did. And it was basically through uh, Drew's say-so that we got the show on the air. Because I always, I always imagine what the pitch would be to get it on American television. It would be, here's four guys you've never seen before who don't have a show at the beginning of the half hour. And then at the end, there'll be something for you to watch. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we'll take 20 of those. So, um, yeah, it was basically, it was all due to Drew that he got on the air. But again, thank you, Drew Gary. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I mean, um, did you uh, just just to kind of go uh, back to the original series? Uh, you know, d- did you get to spend any time with Clive Anderson? On on uh, yeah, we went out for it. Uh, he's an interesting guy. He is, uh, you know, he's an ex uh, barrister. His wife oh. is um, was the leading uh, pediatric AIDS doctor in the UK. Hmm. Wow! So it was like, yeah, it was you know, smart people and. Sometimes I felt, oh, let's just invite a monkey for uh, some <laughs> amusement and dinner. <laughs> um, because, as I say, incredibly uh, intelligent, but also uh, lovely people. Very warm, very smart. Uh, so it was it was always nice. To see. And um, the last couple of years, I've been doing the Edinburgh Festival uh, with Clive and uh, Mike McShane from the original show and Josie Lawrence and Tony Slattery. So we all keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's, that's cool. so cool. Yeah, Tony Slattery and Stephen Frost. I mean, so many, like, crazy talented people involved in that. Oh. Yeah, um, Stephen it was, Frost. Yeah. It was interesting Insane. that that came out, that, that whole show format, because until then, I think the only way that the improv scene sort of broke into mainstream was through doing sketch comedy. Because yeah. it seems like all all the stuff geared here, especially in the U.S. at least, you know, all the second cities and the groundlings and the UCBs were all about like, hey, we're going to teach you to do improv, and then you're going to use those improv skills to write pre-written sketches that you'll perform. Like it was a weird, yeah, sort of mix yeah. they did. It, it was, was like, it was seemed like it was a big breeding ground for for stuff like Saturday Night Live, Mad TV. That yeah, it was always viewed as yeah. a stepping stone to the next thing, never the thing. Yeah, until yeah. this show, you know. Yeah, and then you, you yeah exactly with the. I was with Second City for years, and that's how we came up with shows. We would do an improv set and find something that sort of tweaked our interest and then builds it into a sketch. Mm-hmm. And there was, there, as you say, there was no real outlet for just pure improv. I mean, people like Jonathan Winters 
Sure. Um, <laughs> he was the only guy. I, yeah. I, I and Robin Williams later were the only guys who would sort of um, throw that stuff sort of out there and uh, gave it sort of a people kind of knew what improv was from them, but not really. They just thought, yeah. oh, they're just trying to fool around. And like there were the Christopher Guest films, I guess, would be like mm-hmm. sort half, of the, the pseudo yeah, improv. Half improv. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a great skill to have, whether you're a professional or just use it in your life. Um, my wife and I actually decided, hey, why don't we use these improv rules in our real life? <laughs> well, you know, because people always say, oh, it's so hard. It's not. It's just you have to do things you don't do in real life, like listen and say yes to people. That's it. <laughs> and um, we we decided to do that. And it just it's taken us in these to these great places and met great people and opened us up to these you know, experiences within reason. I mean, I'm not going to jump out of a plane or something, but I'll do something that's outside of my comfort zone. I think it just sounds like your wife is just saying, Colin, will you take out the trash? Yes, and fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll do the dishes. (laughs) Speaking of your wife, we did have a a comment from one of our fans. This sounds like the setup of an insult. (laughs) Natalie Natalie Butts. Natalie Butts, that's her real name. Uh, she she asked when will uh, Colin marry his true love Ryan Stiles um, <laughs> and do a reality show of the two of them living together or do a modern day odd couple television show um, ever I mean th- when we asked fans about you guys I mean about you Ryan Stiles was like every other question was like when are you guys going to do another thing together what else are you guys going to do together what do you want to do together that the world doesn't know about yet meanwhile um, Greg Proops is crying somewhere yeah. God, God love Greg poor Proops. Brad Sherwood he's, yeah. he's uh, yeah. What, yeah. but you've been friends with him for a very long time can you uh, help our our audience to understand the 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 depth of this friendship, how you guys got, how you guys first met, you know, the whole the whole bit. Sure. When I first met Ryan, he was a stand-up, mm-hmm. um, and the club he was at, um, the theater sports started getting big in Vancouver, so the club decided, hey, maybe we should have a little uh, improv troupe. So my best friend started this improv troupe with Ryan, and um, through my friend Jim, Ryan and I met, and it was like well, just one of those. Um, things where we just clicked immediately. We really liked each other on stage. It just, we, we seemed to know where the other was going. It was a very easy relationship. So we became really good friends. And then uh, we moved down to LA within a year of each other. We were both destitute. So <laughs> we would always uh, spend time with our, our families, just spend time at each other's house, uh, you know, having barbecues or whatever it was we were barbecuing. It couldn't have been meat, but whatever it was, uh, it was good. <laughs> Chips and salsa. And then um, my wife and I, we couldn't take it anymore. We thought, no, we're moving back to Canada. Uh, Ryan said, well, I'm going to try a little longer here. And then he got the Joe Carey show, like mm-hmm. two weeks after I left. Not <laughs> I'm saying that I was holding him back or anything. But apparently. And... Um, and uh, during that time, we were also doing the British Who's line. So, um, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. But what I loved is uh, he, for the longest time, didn't have a computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think he even had a cell phone. So I actually would have to, I contacted his daughter through Facebook to say, hey, it's Uncle Colin. Um, I'm trying to get a message to your dad. Can you get him to call me? <laughs> it was the only way I could contact him. And Did he not he have an answering go- machine? Uh, well, he would, he also changed his phone number every, he got really paranoid <laughs> and would change his phone number every couple of months. So, um, but what I love about, we would go years without talking to each other mm-hmm. and then we would see each other and it was like, I saw him yesterday. It's mm-hmm. just one of the most relaxed relationships I ever had. Yeah. And he's been, I mean, incredibly important in my life. He, it was through him. I got who's line. It was through him. I met my wife. Wow. I think my first child is due to him. So, um, <laughs> oh my God. Well, it, it yeah, sounds like uh, you were not holding him back, but being off the grid might have held him back in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. that might have been the trouble. Yeah, yeah. Can't get a call back if you can't get a call. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, talk a little, just a little bit about, uh, the Drew Carey version of this show. So this, this show comes out and it is like a massive 
it, it's a massive hit, and it's you know suddenly you know in in America. I mean, you did 219 episodes of this show. This is of that like, version, yeah, of that version of the show, right? That's an outrageous amount of television. Um, like, uh, yeah. what what was that like working like, on that show? It must like what's in. the the schedule for that? Like, because yeah. I mean, obviously a sitcom. You're in the whole week or whatever, but a show like this, there's no script you have to work through. There's no read-throughs or whatever. So, like, how how yeah. does the shooting on this kind of thing yeah, work? Is it rehearsals? How how did that work? It was uh, two weekends. This has been the best gig anyone could ever have. <laughs> <laughs> we would show up um, like around four o'clock. Mm-hmm. They would say, "Here are the games we're going to play." Uh, they had a list of like twenty-six games, I guess, mm-hmm. and then we would go to the craft table put on our clothes, do a show, and that was it. We would shoot Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for two weekends, and from that, they could get 30 to 40 shows. Wow. Whoa, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, because each, um, each uh, televised show was uh, like maybe four games, and we would shoot like 24, so they could, if, if we had a good night, they could get four to five shows from that one taping. Oh, my God. So, cheapest show on television. Yeah. I hope you're listening, producers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no wonder no wonder it's like, you know, is the the version with Aisha Tyler is that still yeah, running it's on right now? now? It yeah, was on last right night. Now. Yeah, I yeah. I, yeah. I I just watched it a couple of days ago and my god is it funny. Oh yeah. my god. I watched an older episode but it just It, it just holds up. Me. It's it's sort of a timeless kind of show. Like you can watch an old one or you can watch a new one and it's like the same thing. Like all the stuff just works. I'm surprised you guys uh, found the CW one because I'm often getting, hey, you guys should bring back Who's Line. We've been back for seven years. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I think because the, the three of us all do stand-up. Um, and, and so, like, there's there's some relation to comedy, even though we don't do improv, any of us, I don't think. I, I mean, think. Uh, look, so I am in a, college. Yeah. I experimented. <laughs> did, you, did you really? I really did. Yeah, I had a, a group called Some Crazy Garbage. Shout out to you guys. Wow. <laughs> that are... They're all still alive. Oh wow. yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> We're very proud. <laughs> uh, I I uh, had one of the. I'm, I'm a very bad improver. Yeah. Um, yes, you are. I really am. Yes, um, and <laughs> it, 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 I, I'm I'm very bad at it. Uh, and uh, Colin, one time I uh, I was doing a play, a musical, and I had neglected to memorize. Uh, any of my lines for the play <laughs> this is a hundred percent true, and this is a full mounted like musical with like f- you know six hundred seats in the audience. What musical a, was ju- it? It was called uh, "Strike Up the Band." Was the mm-hmm. name of the musical? I just I, I was doing another show at the time, and I just I thought that I had I was off book, but then it was like the day before, and I still was not. I realized I was not, mm-hmm. and like you I was looked at that amazing script. title, and we're like, I can do this. I was like, ah, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> and so what I did is I took the script and I just uh, ripped out all the pages, and then I put it on books <laughs> and on like tables and stuff all over you the set. You tried to do the Brando. I tried to do Brando. <laughs> this is a hundred percent real, Colin. And then what happened? was is I got up on stage and I was in the middle of, of the show and I forgot I did not have oh I had, I had glued a speech mm-hmm. to a podium mm-hmm. okay <laughs> and then it came time to do the speech and they didn't bring out the podium lectern the lectern thank <laughs> yeah. you they didn't bring out the lectern for so I and I'm like I need I can't do the, the speech I can't give a speech if I don't have a lectern and then they were I need I need this thing I gotta bring it out and I'm doing this in front of an audience but you were calling a, out for a podium and and they're, they're backstage with the lectern going yeah. well that's not what we have right <laughs> they finally bring it out they bring it out it is not the right one it is another one and the speech is not on it so I had to make up a speech um, <laughs> and and I said a few one of the things I said was uh, we are one and we shall overcome <laughs> and the audience was just like what, what are you doing talking? and then I tried to sing the song and I couldn't remember any of the lyrics it was <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever done in my life and uh, the people who produced it what's that? Actors have nightmares about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a real-life 
uh, real life nightmare moment in my, in my life. Yeah, I saw very, very... a fire curtain drop down right behind an actress, nearly shattering her spine. That sounds much worse. <laughs> oh yeah, being on stage for an entire show and not knowing any of your dialogue is—I mean, it's—it's it's a, it was a. Bad. It was bad. It was real bad. Um, so anyone who saw that production, I apologize. Hey, uh, a quick thing I want to talk about, uh, Mike Black. I, I think this is uh, something that we we really should talk about, yeah. and uh, it's a um, a company yes. that was founded in 1983 in Tokyo, Japan. Of course, I'm talking about the Zoom Corporation. Zoom. Now, if if it wasn't for Zoom, and Matt knows this, we would not be able to do our show. Um, they make the best audio equipment in the world. Um, we, wh- which one are we using right now? We, we're recording onto a Zoom Live Track L8 right now, and when we go do our live events at conventions and stuff, we often use the Zoom H6, and they're both just fantastic pieces of equipment. You plug your microphones in, you plug your headphones in, and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, whether you're a classically trained pianist or a run-and-gun filmmaker or a podcaster like uh, you know like us um yep yeah i do a ton of podcasts and i can tell by listening when they're using a zoom and when they're not yeah it's the uh, mark of excellence it yeah. really is uh go check it uh, go check out all their stuff over at zoom-na.com that's zoom-na.com be professional for god's sake zoom-na.com all right okay let's get back to the show um, have you ever been in a in a situation where you just you you just can't get out of it? Have you ever had to perform where you're just like this? I can't. I'm stuck. Does that ever happen to you? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, our soundbite yes. for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There have been times. There have been times in the theme where you think, okay, maybe if I just go back and get some information that we had previously, I can find a way. <laughs> and then at some point you think, no, this is, no, we're just going to have to ride this until everyone is dead. <laughs> no way out of it. Um, and usually you can tell who uh, your friends are not. They're the ones who leave the scene early. And if people stay with you, those are your brothers in arms, and you, you go down together. Now, but yeah, it, you know, it happens. It happens. How old were you when you knew that you could do this? Because I imagine your your first time trying improv was probably just like, hey, let me give this a try and see what happens. Or or was it something where you're like, hey, I want to do this? I mean, like it, at some point you're going to discover you have an aptitude for it. But I imagine just like with us as stand-up, you know, when anybody starts doing stand-up, they're terrible for a couple years. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. So with improv, is it like that as well? Like when you were new, were you bad at this ever? Or were you just sort of like, hey, I'm, I'm a natural and I can do this right away? I, I was lucky. I was, I was a natural. Um, my first... Because, because I didn't know what improv was. Nobody kind of knew until theater sports sort of blew up and then it expanded into all the other groups. Um, so when I first saw, I, de- I saw a demonstration of it before theater sports started in Vancouver. And I thought, oh, this that looks like fun. So I took a workshop. And uh, from that workshop, they said, hey, you want to play in our, our rookie uh, match tonight? And I went, yeah. And I played that. And then I got the most valuable player. So they said, hey, we're short a guy in the um, veteran league. You want to join? I went, yeah. And then I won MVP for that. So I thought, <laughs> oh, so this is uh, easy. Um, but yeah, I, there were other, there were valleys after that. <laughs> but of course, I, yeah. I, I, I picked up the specifics of it fairly quickly. And I, I, um, I found quickly I was the audience representative. I was like the person who thought, oh, that guy shouldn't be up there. That's what I would be doing. And, um, <laughs> I'd build up a rapport with the audience. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I, I, we got to talk about some of your uh, brothers and sisters in arms mm-hmm. that you've worked with. Uh, w- what can you tell us about Drew Carey? Any any stories? Anything you could tell us? Um, yes, I could tell you <laughs> lots of things. I just want to think which ones could I tell you and still keep my friends. Um, <laughs> First of all, let me just say, uh, one of the most generous men out there, and that's how you want your millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, would take us on trips every year, the cast and crew of both his shows and their families, and he would take us, and for some reason he'd take his accountant to always go, this is so expensive. <laughs> and um, 
And he was incredible. He said, you know, you guys are up there working, really, you're working your asses off, you're getting the laughs, and then afterwards people come up and say, hey, Drew, I love your show. So he just wanted to show his appreciation to everyone. And, um, yeah, I just can't say enough about him. I, you know, without him, the show would never have gotten on the air. And what I always find, find funny is it was a big hit its first season when it was they put us in on the summer uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. And when no one else was on, it became a hit. When they put us after Drew's show, which was a big hit. And then they found out how cheap it was. And then they put us up against Friends and Survivor. Oh, um, oh my God. Oh, yeah. You guys remember those shows? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've heard of them. Uh, yeah, so. So, um, so we would get killed every week in the ratings. But because the show was so cheap, it still made the network money. So it was always amazing to me that as many people knew the show as they did. Because, as I say, we were up against two juggernauts uh, yeah. in the 90s and, and still managed. And, and the reason the CW came uh, back with the show is because these kids were seeing the old show on the internet and then the scratch swelled sort of happened for the old show so CW brought us back and yet still decided not to publicize us but still that's another thing <laughs> <laughs> but it all it all started with you that's so great we don't want to cheapen it with commercials for it or anything. <laughs> yeah come on oh god no <laughs> <laughs> Preserve the artistry. Exactly. Yeah. All right. What about uh, Mr. Wayne Brady, our dear friend, Mr. Wayne Brady? Yeah, yeah he's got like talent, I guess. <laughs> he's got like, something. Uh, you can, yeah. I, I just remember, um, I guess he had auditioned and they had hired him, obviously. And I met him at our first, uh, we would get together uh, before the show started to try out new games. So I see this kid, I guess he was like 22 at the time, and I just thought, oh my God, he can do everything. I don't think he should be on the show. <laughs> yeah. really, it's not going to help some of the older people. Um, but, but obviously, uh, I mean, obviously a great talent and brought so much to the show. And um, yeah, just a joy to work with. I, he, he had a totally different energy from the rest of us. And it was something I think the show really needed. It really infused with this different energy that um, sometimes you would catch, uh, depending on whether our hips were still working. Uh, so, yeah, he was, uh, Wayne was a valuable, valuable um, uh, addition to the show. Especially and, for the song battles. Oh, man. God. Yeah, he's so good at that. Like, yeah, I feel, yeah. And we, I, we I've said to, this for years, yeah, yeah. as I've said, like, I, I've, I've been campaigning for this for for a while, and that w- I think Wayne Brady has the most pure talent in Hollywood, and he should be the host of the Oscars. I don't know why they've oh, not. Why haven't they not called Wayne Brady? He can sing, he can dance, he's funny. He could bring in Colin and Ryan and Jonathan and oh, all these yeah. people to do bits and stuff. Oh, it would oh. be a it's great time. Great idea. Come on. Yeah, that's the thing that stopped him. That they could bring us on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it yeah. really, it really does seem like a no-brainer. I was going to say, well, it's because he hadn't been in movies, but, you know, Johnny Carson did it. Yeah. Uh, David yeah. Letterman did it. I think and maybe, you say, is there like a CBS ABC thing going on? Because he's got, uh, you know, the game show he does. Yeah, we um, went to, we went and watched. Which is great. Uh, Let's we, make a deal. We're friends with Jonathan Mangum, and he brought us over uh, to, to come hang out for a day. Which is sort of like watching an episode of Whose Line where people oh in the God. audience win prizes. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, they they, yeah. they improv the whole way through that. Yeah. That Wait, maybe that's what's next. Whose Line where the audience wins prizes. There you go. Oh, uh, God. That, then they start publicizing it. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Come on. Uh, all right. What about yeah. uh, what, what about Mr. Greg Proops? We gotta we gotta bring up the Proops. Greg is um, what I love about Greg. Is, as I said before, I'm not really comfortable around people a lot. So when we would be on tour, we sometimes we tour and we'd be on a bus, mm-hmm. and it'd be like a five hour bus ride somewhere. And I would go, "Hey, Greg, how are you doing?" Then I would just sit back and listen to him for four hours. Because he could talk about anything in the world. Yeah. He, he truly is the smartest man I know. And his, um, the things that interest him, is just all over the map. He has the largest um, book of knowledge in his head about baseball. He knows like the batting average, I think, of everyone who's ever played. He wow. uh, interviewed many of the greats for different uh, baseball magazines. You know, he talks Willie Mays stories and 
um, and then he'll just go about uh, talk about the history of Turkey for a while. So he really <laughs> is, and I, I know on uh, on the show his uh, persona is a little snarky at times, sarcastic, <laughs> but he he truly is um, a, again a lovely guy. Um, a major uh, spokesperson for the underdog. Um, you know, he's a feminist. He's uh, he's just, yeah, a humanitarian who does stand up and can be snarky at times. Do you recall, I, I was lucky enough to work with him in stand-up, and he told me a story that delighted me. Do you recall being on tour with him in Boston by chance? Oh, God, what happened? <laughs> he asked the audience for an occupation, and someone in the crowd yelled out, cocksucker and he said how interesting that you choose that as an occupation and then someone else yelled out that's my ma (laughs) you gotta love boston (laughs) yeah shout out to boston (laughs) that's a very boston story yeah Yeah. it really is um I, i i i got one for you i was watching um whose line the other day uh and on the show they did like a thing where they brought out this cast member from Dynasty, from the t- the new TV show mm-hmm. Dynasty, and uh, then you guys had to like all do like a, a song or some sort of bit with her, and then and then she like you know she like runs in, she does the bit, and then she's out. Uh, and I, I know that that's kind of been a thing at CW or you know at some of these places where they they're bringing in stars from other shows to promote you know them being on other TV shows or this or that. Um, has that ever not? Does that always go <laughs> right? Does that always work out? Because it doesn't seem like that would be the case always. Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. It doesn't always. I, I, I do remember her. She was lovely. We're now. Um, Twitter pals. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have not, whether it's um, due to their own ego or whatever. Uh, but one of our guests in a previous show is responsible, I think, for one of the funniest things ever been on television. That's <laughs> when Richard Simmons uh, joined us. Oh, wow. Uh, when we doing the Blue Show. And um, that, I think it was like a five minute um Sketch where we used we were using him and Wayne as props, and it's, <laughs> it's one of the. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend uh, to go on um, YouTube and, and see it. I, I truly believe it's one of the funniest things that's ever been on, it, definitely on Who's Line. But I would I would put it up there in the top hundred of all time funny things. Oh wow! And it was all because of Little Richard. <laughs> oh my God, that's so great! Yeah, it's so great. Oh, he's he's a he's a fun character for sure. Absolutely, for sure. so now, committed, so committed. Now, and I'll leave you with this visual. I used him as a jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell you. Oh, I gotta well, watch that. Yeah, we, we gotta, gotta, we gotta check that out. Now, I have a question because the three of us all do stand up, and we have the luxury of when we're off stage of not having people expecting us to be doing our act when we're interacting with them. Like we walk around Normally, and people are like, yeah. if they're like, Oh, I saw you. Oh, tell me a joke. You'd be like, Oh, I'm not really into it. Or you can tell them something funny <laughs> or whatever and you get, you, but you get to live a normal life for the most part. But you being an improviser and having people see you on TV and expecting that from me, like, do you just, when you pre COVID, when you would walk around and go into a store, do people just expect you to always be funny at all times? Like, is that like a thing that goes on with you? Yeah. I, part of it, I, well, part of it is we're on television and we're not playing characters. We're playing mm-hmm. weird versions of ourselves. Yeah. So I think people assume, oh, that, that's what they're like. <laughs> and um, They just lucked into happily, finding four crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all happily married. So obviously <laughs> those people on, my wife calls the guy on whose line the other because <laughs> it is so unlike me in real life. And it's something I don't think anyone could live with, someone who was on like that all the time. Oh, so, nice. And also people are seem still a little confused about improv. They go, you know, tell me a joke. And it's like, well, do, do you see what I do? <laughs> Have you ever heard me tell a joke? <laughs> I, it's not what I do. There are comedians who work very hard on getting the right word. We just make up crap and hope it lands. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we 
I think I disappoint a lot of people because I, as I say, I do tend to be quieter. So they're going, oh, why isn't he like walking like a dinosaur? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a little tricky. That's yeah, I, I can I can imagine, especially like. You know, when you've been doing this for so long, people are just like, well, you got to have a character or something that you do. And you're like, oh, come on. That's not how this works. (laughs) Yeah. Just look at my stuff. I don't do characters. I don't do jokes. It really is a wonder I've gotten this far. (laughs) I I don't don't have all those skills. It it really is like a fascinating thing. When you look at at places like uh, uh, UCB, where it's like every three months they're turning out another class of improvisers. Uh, like I've been to yeah. some of those showcases. That shit is. Some rough. of those are brutal. I mean, yeah. that could, that is some difficult. I went one time. Very quick story, but I had a roommate who I uh, his name was Doug Beatty, mm-hmm. um, and he hated living with me. Okay, I can't he, blame him. Oh, yeah, I don't blame him at <laughs> I all. Can't imagine I was why. Very <laughs> messy, and I was I'd play. Uh, video games all day and he'd, he'd go to work he'd come home and he'd be ups- I'd be in my underwear you know <laughs> eating pizza you know just like the worst I learned a couple of good things from him though um, one Showered. time yeah, well I made one time I made pasta uh, I wanted to make uh, pasta with pesto and I used the entire jar of pesto to make Ugh. one batch of pasta Ooh. because I didn't know that you're supposed to only use like a teaspoon of it and I did that like three days in a in like three three different times in like a week and he was like Stephen are you using the entire jar and I was like yeah I'm making pesto pasta he was like Stephen you you're gonna weigh 5,000 pounds like this is so fattening you you're doing it wrong and he taught me the right things uh but then he started a um uh improv uh classes over at the ucb and uh and we ended up you know i moved out right and but i wanted to i wanted to uh support him and be supportive and so i surprised him and matt knows this i showed up at ucb to watch his like final class performance it was like improv and sketch right? and it was right. improv and sketch and he did uh like some taking suggestions improvs and then it came time for sketches and and his sketch was about him and his fat roommate <laughs> oh no and, <laughs> And I and the I king sat, rises. Yep. And I sat there in the audience and watched a fat guy on stage play me in a scene, and then afterwards had to like be like, "Great job on the show!" And he turned like he turned bright purple. He was so. He was oh, wow. ready to die. It was so embarrassing. Wow. Yeah, it was and then pretty... you had to have a duel. <laughs> yeah, it was not okay. Everything about it was wrong. Um, but but point being is that UCB is turning out you know tons and tons of you know uh, improvisers. You know, on the daily, they're turning out all these people, as well as like Groundlings and uh, and other uh, Improv Olympic and Olympic. Second City and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for you to be uh, able to do this as a job, as a for a living, to be able to improvise for a living for your whole life <laughs> is is extremely insane. It is the least yeah. plausible. Pl- it, it's you're like <laughs> the, the Michael plausible. Jordan of, <laughs> of of improv of improv. You yeah. really are, man. Like it's a it's an amazing it's, thing uh, and. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Stephen can't oh, even I, improv I his way through this compliment. Things. Yeah, <laughs> I can't improv. So it's very impressive. I can't improvise my way no, through a compliment. I mean, we are all incredibly fortunate that the show came along, showcased us, and it lasted as long as it did and gave us careers. Because, uh-huh. um, I mean, personally, I'd be screwed. I have no, ta- <laughs> I, I have nothing else to fall back on. Absolutely nothing. So the fact that this show came along took. Uh, advantage of the one skill I have and made it marketable for me, I will always be grateful for. So, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And I've been really lucky in working with a lot of great improv theaters around um, the world who are actually can make a, they can make a, a good living. Mm-hmm. Uh, things, of course, are going to be tough right now with, you know, people still trying to figure out how to get live audiences happening. But, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I've been doing this for like 40 years. I've been all around the world. I've been in the White House. 
How's that? I make oh my up God. For that. What? That's what did you? When, which White House and when? Well, there's only the one. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, wait, which one? Like, who's the one White in 1600 House? Pennsylvania? Who's <laughs> White House? That's what I mean. Yeah, it was the uh, it was the Bush White House. We had, uh, Brad and I had done the um, correspondence dinner, mm-hmm. and um, part of it we did a wrap with Carl Rove. You know, looking back, it's like, oh God! But um, so they invited us to the White House the next day, so we went, and it was uh, it was cool. I mean, yeah. President Bush was not my favorite president, but he was incredibly charming and hospitable. He spent like a lot of time with us. I kept thinking, there must be stuff going on that you have to do. <laughs> this is insane. This is like 20 minutes now. Then and, you find out Cheney that's all with... he did all week was watch your show. <laughs> yeah, that was it. And yeah. Dick Cheney was in the corner sort of rubbing his hands together, scrubbed over. It was weird. <laughs> Well, you're Canadian. It's not your fault. That, that's got to go on me and Mike Black that we let that happen. Yeah. yeah. You two Canadians Absolutely. can't be blamed for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You exactly. Um, what we got to talk about Aisha Tyler, too. What's, uh, what's, what's she been like to, to work with? She's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> I, um, yeah, when we um, – about to start the show, I thought, my God. Okay, so, you know – with each of our hosts before, we had something we could easily make fun of. You know, Clyde uh, was bald and no neck, and then Drew was uh, Drew. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so we have this beautiful, smart, uh, a black woman who's a bit of a nerd. Uh, yeah. We're screwed. We're, what are we yeah. going to do? And then we quickly found, uh, found things. Yeah. We, we just sort of hit that, you know, when... Um, Funny people get together and just start insulting the ones they love. <laughs> so we, we kind of fell into that sort of thing. And yeah, she's it's, great. It's being, she's lovely. I'm, I I worry in that she's a, a bit of a workaholic. She's always got, like, we're in a pandemic, and we've been trying to do this charity thing, but she kept saying, I, I, that's, uh, that's a bad day for me. Like, a bad day for me? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> But she's like directing somehow. She's like writing. She's always writing books. And, uh, she's yeah. She's an amazing woman. Just amazing. Yeah, I met her before I ever did stand up at the Playboy Mansion. It was right before wow. she started on uh, Talk Soup. And I was at the Howard Stern live broadcast I got in because I was doing some stuff on radio. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go to that. And I met her there. And she was the nicest person at the entire party. Just like lovely. And then I came to see her do stand up at the Hollywood Improv uh, like a couple weeks later. I was like, oh, she's really funny too. And then it's just been fun to watch somebody who was really nice to me when I was a complete nobody, uh, even le- even more of a nobody than I am now, if, as hard <laughs> as it is to imagine. Um, and she was totally nice to me and got me hooked up with free tickets to the improv to come see her do stand up and stuff. So I've always been a big fan of hers and I think she's great. She's, yeah. yeah, we've been really fortunate in all the incarnations. We've never had anyone who was a dick, which is <laughs> amazing. It's, it's amazing, really. Um, I, I have to say, I haven't, in the world of improv, I haven't found too many at all. And even stand-ups who have a reputation sometimes, mm-hmm. and you guys may know this more than I do, yeah, sure. um, of, of being dickish. But I've always found... And there's nothing I love more than just sitting in a room of stand-ups and just hearing their war stories. I just <laughs> love that kind of stuff. Just Everyone trying to top each other with the worst gig they ever had or the yeah. worst audience member. I yeah. love that. Hey, uh, real quick before we continue the show, um, I want to talk about a third-generation family-run business that I am very proud to be working with. Uh, Sennheiser is the number one number top tier <laughs> microphone uh, company in the mm-hmm. world and we are so lucky that we are now recording our show using Sennheiser microphones and their headphones. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. We're, we're talking into Sennheiser MD42 microphones and using Sennheiser HD25 headphones and these sound amazing. I mean listen to Mike Black's voice. Listen to the rich and sumptuous soundscape that comes out of my voice. Oh. Every time I speak into a Sennheiser. Absolutely. Go check out uh, their microphones and their sound equipment over at Sennheiser.com. All right. Let's get back to the show. Uh, what What is the worst gig you've ever had? Do you have, a, do you have a, 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 anything that stands out? I have. I do, but I don't have 
details. It was Ryan, uh, Brad and I were doing a gig at the Laugh Factory. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, okay, I think the, okay, I think the audience was all improvisers. Oh, oh no. Okay. So, and really, there really isn't a worse audience for an improvised set than yeah. other improvisers. No. So, um, Brad, Ryan, and I, I think we, we, we were, everybody was given like 15 minutes. So we start, it's not going well. We, uh, so we're trying different things. It's still not going well. So we decide to keep going till we get a laugh that we can end on. <laughs> we went 45 minutes. <laughs> oh my God. Then the lights just slowly, one of those slowly <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, wow. We, um, the three of us left the theater. We didn't talk. We went to our cars, <laughs> and we didn't contact each other for two weeks. Oh, it was, that is, it was It was just horrific. That is the equivalent of a mercy killing when, yeah. when the theater starts raising <laughs> the lights on you. Oh, oh man. Oh, and it's like. You know, don't do the slow fade. Just, yeah. do just it. cut just it. Bring the just cut the mic. Rip the band-aid off. Yeah. Just, just do it. I, yeah, because yeah, as, as the lights went down, we started to get louder thinking, oh, maybe this is where our laugh will come. <laughs> oh, no. God. No. Wow. Because yeah. yeah, I would imagine for you, like a, an audience full of improvisers, like they're all thinking in their head, like, I could be that. I'm at least as good as them. Like they all sort of have that. The well, thing going for on there us, probably. It's like doing stand up at an open mic. Yeah, it's like nobody laughs at anything. Everyone's head is buried in their notebook, and occasionally you get on a good premise and you see them start writing it down. And yeah. it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not only are they not laughing, they're stealing my ideas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we, uh, nighttime show, uh, our, our, you know, this, this podcast, we normally do this show live in front of a, an audience. And there's a lot of, you know, silliness and a lot of playing around with our guests and things like this that we do on stage. And, but the, the worst, the, the worst moment in, in our entire show history was Andy Dick came on stage. Uh, <laughs> okay. That, that's he, pretty much it. We yeah, that's stop it. We can stop there. He, he had fallen off the wagon. That night. That night. Yeah. Um, he brought Dino Stamatopoulos mm-hmm. with him on stage. Uh, I had baked him a cake that was the shape of his face. Mm-hmm. For his birthday. For his birthday, because that was his birthday that night. He was triggered by that. (laughs) Yep, and then he took the cake and flung it at a woman in the front row (laughs) and hit her right in the face and ruined her outfit, and I had to pay the dry cleaning bill for that. Uh, But but it was a very hard cake, and then he cried. (laughs) He cried while holding his own cake face. That was shattered. So eating pieces of it. Yeah, and we had wire image there. It was very Uh, metaphorical. (laughs) We had a... We had a professional photographer shooting that night. All those photos of Andy Dick holding that cake, those are on the Wire Image website yeah. forever. Like, <laughs> we can't take them down. They will never leave. No. Just Andy Dick crying with his own face, <laughs> drunk on stage on his at the birthday. improv. Yeah, yeah, the worst. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. Um, before we uh, uh, let you go, I, I just wanted to ask you this, just because your career is so amazing and you've worked you know, in a ton of TV and, and film and all sorts of stuff popping up and all sorts of cool different shows. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you would like to, the, the chance to, to do? Uh, you know, I've been really lucky. Uh, like last year I did, I wasn't the title character, but I, I did a production of King Lear with um, some of the top Shakespearean actors in um, in the world. And it was great. Um, so I thought, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. Here's the thing <laughs> I've always wanted to do. And no one's taken me up on it. I wanted to do an action movie where I'm the star. Because my thing with a lot of action movies, you think, well, obviously they're going to make it to the end. Yeah. But with me, you wouldn't be sure. <laughs> There'd be that tension of, he, he might not even make it halfway through the movie. This could so, be a quick movie. <laughs> yeah. I always, I maybe I'll have to write it, but I just hate writing. But I, I, I hope somebody will, will uh, pick up on that and say, yeah, 
a 62-year-old guy with bad knees as an action star? <laughs> Come on. It writes itself. I love it. I love it. They're I still making Steven Seagal movies. They're already doing that. So <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's a buddy it film, him and yeah, Steven Seagal. There you go. Two 62-year-olds with bad knees. I love that idea. I love that. Whose bomb is yeah. it anyways? Yeah. You could call it that. There you go. Okay. Um, and, okay. No, go ahead. Go Do ahead. I have to copyright that? <laughs> yes, yeah. you take you take that, please. Um do you have a do you have social media? Do you do any of that type of stuff? Yeah. On Instagram. Uh, we just we we wanted to make sure that we we got you on here. So if you're uh, if you're a fan of Colin Mockery, you can go and uh, find him on uh, Instagram. It's Colin Mockery seven five nine one is the uh, is the uh, official Instagram. For <laughs> What's me. the reason for seven five nine one? It's my birthday backwards. Oh, hey, okay. Well, there we go. That's good. Oh, I like that. Yeah, okay. Oh, and you're on Cameo? Are you on Cameo now? I'm on Cameo. How do you, how have you liked yeah. that? What's that What's that been like for you? Um, well, uh, during a pandemic where I'm not working, it's been great. <laughs> um, there have been some odd um, requests. I I think I fired someone. I think it was a joke, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, someone break up with someone. So wow. those ones aren't, you know, I'd rather do just the birthdays and happy anniversary <laughs> rather than, listen, Jerry had something he was too afraid to tell you, so I'm going to do a little hoedown that explains everything. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 That's amazing. amazing. That That's... sounds almost like its own service that would be yeah. <laughs> just comedians breaking bad news to people. <laughs> that, that's the way to go. Oh, we should yeah. just do that. To the Writers Guild. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, Mike Black, where can people find you on the internet? I am all over social media, at Mike Black Attack, and I also do another podcast called The Power Pals, and we have new episodes coming out this week. Hey, nice. What about uh, plugging a different show? Thanks, <laughs> Mike Black. Anytime. Uh, Matt, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, there are links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you were upset by me in any way, please let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. Uh, that's our real website. So feel free to go there. Um, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-P-H-E-N Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast and and share with your friends. Colin Mockery, you are a legend, sir. You're the Michael Jordan of of Im- of improv. Um, thank you so much. And yes, where's my eight-part series on HBO? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see in the future hopefully hopefully uh thanks again for doing the thanks show man you're the, on, dude, thank you're you the coolest thank you. thanks it was a lot of fun all right. all right have a good one man we'll be in touch soon all right take care oh.